0: When I was a resident at the Stanford Sleep Medicine Center. They treat insomnia in a group format. Many people sit in one room, learn about sleep science and discuss their sleep struggles. So in mental health field psychotherapy group is also one type of treatment and has its own unique power. Sometimes just know you are not alone. It's more healing than anything else. So let's talk about group therapy today. Hi, I'm Dr. Yishan, a licensed clinical psychologist, board certified behavioral sleep medicine specialist, and adjunct clinical faculty at Stanford School of Medicine. Our guest is Tanya Cole Lesnik, a 30 year veteran psychotherapist, licensed social worker, and group therapy advocate. She has a lot of clinical experiences and works on helping people to live lives that light them up and she does so by helping her clients to access and honor their own truth to change habits that don't serve them anymore and to heal faulty narratives so they are able to live in alignment inside and out The sharing of inner worlds and being human together in a safe space is what she finds to be the most powerful way for lives to transform. Let's welcome Tanya. Welcome Tanya to Deep Into Sleep podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Ishan. I'm so happy to be here with
0: you. I'm so happy to have you. Uh, I know you are actually really good at leading group therapy, and I'm excited that I'm sure we have a lot to talk about today. Before we get started, just to um, want, understand, like, can you help us understand what is group therapy and what make you interested in that kind of format? Of treatment.
1: Yeah. Well, I came across group therapy in my own life more than 30 years ago. I was actually originally started my career as a graphic designer. Oh. And so when I was in that career, I was really longing for a long-term love relationship and it wasn't happening for me. And I didn't understand why. And at the time, The idea of therapy seemed like it was for people that had more significant issues than what I thought mine were. I was very dismissive of my own issues. And so at first I didn't pursue it, but with a little more time and as I continued to struggle having a long-term love relationship, I decided it mattered enough to me to do whatever it took to help me heal this part of my life. And so... I got connected to a therapist and she was wonderful and I felt the emotionally safe to be in space with her right away. And then she pretty early on suggested that I do group therapy as well. And it was in the combination really of my, of doing both of those and realizing that I wasn't alone with some of my struggles and being able to give up this story because the story I had said to myself is maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe that's why I'm struggling to have this long-term love relationship. And so I really worked on that. And during that time, I met people along the way, including the man who was going to become my husband. So fairly early on, I met a man who he and I ended up getting married. And we just celebrated last week, actually, our 31st wedding anniversary.
0: Wow. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. So what I had been longing for happened fairly early on, but the part that I hadn't anticipated was how important my connection to myself was going to be how healing that was, how some of the narratives that I had, including this idea that maybe I was unlovable, was not really supporting my true self. And to give up some of those narratives and really continue forward in my life, being in a much more positive relationship with myself. And so it was that, that prompted me to go back to school. I became a licensed clinical social worker and was a therapist for since then. So for almost 30 years, I've been a professional therapist and personal development coach. I'm moving more towards coaching these days, but still have a foundation in helping people to heal and move towards honoring their truest selves.
0: Wow. Beautiful story. And sounds like the group therapy early on, the one you experienced, really helped you find the true self, the shining points inside of you and understand yourself better.
1: Yeah, very much so. And so it's, um, I think, in that kind of connecting with other human beings that are being vulnerable with each other and sharing their inner worlds with each other that we can let go of some of the things that get in the way for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. We often hear individual coaching or therapy, right? And I also know group is a very different format. And some Mm -hmm. people can find group therapy kind of intimidating. And like for me, I lead insomnia uh, group. So Mm -hmm. when I treat patients with insomnia, I was like, you know, you guys can go together, let's learn this and uh, talk to each other, support. I think it has a power to help us understand I'm not alone. I'm -hmm. not the only one suffering, right? Actually, a lot of people do like it very much, but there are some people very concerned. They don't want join. They're like, no, I don't want to talk to other people who cannot sleep. And isn't that weird? You have to be brave enough to share that. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm smiling as you say that because I get that so much. When I talk to clients about the possibility of doing group, more often than not, I get that same sort of fear and resistance. I think people are worried about being vulnerable in front of other people. I think even though as professionals, perhaps we're saying you're not alone, they don't really believe it at first. And they, I think so often feel, feel that, they might be more flawed than everybody else in the room or in the virtual room, depending on which way you do it. And so I think there's some real fear in showing up that honestly. And then also I think people worry a little bit that they're not going to get their needs met, that the group situation means that other people will be attended to at the same time. And so there is a thought at times that, well, I'll just sit politely while other people are talking. But what I think people don't realize is the power in hearing other people share their stories because there's stuff that resonates in us. As we hear other people talk, we do realize, oh, we're not alone. Or sometimes it touches on things we weren't necessarily thinking about. But when it resonates We start to know ourselves better and it's in the learning more and more about ourselves and getting that reflected back to us where transformation can really happen.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, you mentioned transformation, right? Transformation. I feel like it's not something we can just go to pursue it. Oh, let me do A, B, C, and I'm gonna transform. <laughs> right. It it just can happen naturally. But I think before transformation happen, we have to be willing to be vulnerable, willing to face the challenge, face the suffering state, and that's that's just the step stop a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can be really hard to do. It can also be such a beautiful experience. I actually just returned from being away at a women's retreat in Italy with 25 other women in this retreat experience together where there was so much vulnerability and tears and touching tender spots. And it's not like, I've gotten to a place where I don't have to go there anymore for my own transformation. I continue to want to grow and I still have to go into those very tender spaces, but it is so important to trust whoever you are going to go into a group situation or a retreat, that kind of thing to trust that you're in good hands, that the person who is leading all the people to sort of go into those vulnerable spaces is somebody that gets it, that you feel safe with, because that safety, that emotional safety is such an important part of going into that kind of space. It's still scary. It still can be hard. But if you can trust somebody, that really is an important part of the process.
0: Yeah. I think one thing, really worry people about group therapy is, you know, when other people share their vulnerable uh, moments, share Mm. their difficult uh, past or events, will that be too much burden Mm. on the other listeners, right? And like, I already have a lot of struggle in myself. Now I'm I have strong empathy to other people when hear others suffering. Some people we, will take that on their own shoulder, mm-hmm. feel like oh, that's too much for me to handle right now.
1: Yeah, I love that you're pointing that out. And I think that that's true, that people can be feeling a lot of feelings when they're hearing people talk about such um, tender things in their lives. If that's the case, if somebody's going into a group situation and they're taking on sort of other people's struggles as their own, that's an example of something that needs to get worked on because I always think about group as sort of a microcosm for the world outside of group. So whatever's happening in group, is sort of echoing what happens for each person outside of group. So if you're somebody in group who's taking on other people's emotional experiences and really absorbing it and struggling to stay connected to yourself, chances are that's happening outside of group. Chances are you're absorbing people in your family, some of their burdens and struggling to stay connected to yourself. And so that's helpful. It's helpful to know that that's something that comes up for you and to be able to work on that and to be able to be transparent about, okay, this is something I'm working on. I'm feeling so emotionally impacted by what you're sharing with me. And Working on just staying with it and breathing, or something like that. I mean, that's part of what gets decided. How can you work on this so that it doesn't take over, so it doesn't interfere with your ability to stay connected to yourself, and also to honor who you are at the core? If you're an empath, and that's something that is part of what's beautiful about you. How do you use it so that it's, or let it be part of how you show up in the world without taking over and losing yourself. And that's where doing a combination of group and individual can be really helpful too, because with my clients, I'm having a shared experience in group. I can see what's happening and I can see my take on a certain situation. So if a client's sharing with me, oh my goodness, at this moment in group, I totally like, I couldn't think of anything else other than what this other person was sharing. And I, I couldn't think of anything else and I could weigh in about what it felt like to be in the room in that moment or again a zoom room if it's virtual but um and we could talk it through on how can you not lose yourself in that situation
0: Mm. yeah I like that it seems like a kind of like mind shift you have a choice in the process you can Mm. choose to notice the suffering and avoid it. Say, oh, this is Mm -hmm. too much. I don't want to look at it and Mm -hmm. I cannot stay with this. Or you can choose to turn into it, work on it or seek help, seek support Mm -hmm. to process it together. And eventually you may really resolve this suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm. So interesting. But also I think there are different type of group therapy. When I lead groups back when I worked in hospitals, right? I remember there used to be this type of processing type of group mm-hmm. that is more like you can let the emotion, the thoughts flow more freely. There's still going to be mm-hmm. structure, but it's less mm-hmm. lecture, less mm-hmm. educational mm-hmm. points, but people have a lot of free space to really share, talk and support each other. And There are other type of groups. For example, my own insomnia group is more like educational group. People will share, but I try to limit how much like your your symptoms of insomnia you want to share. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a way, it's more like what progress you are making, what works for you, what does not work for you. Let's Mm target on those. So Mm -hmm. I feel like they're very different type of group therapy. Right. Yeah. What have you noticed? Like how people choose the the right type for them.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean that's such a good point. And you know, all kinds of skills training groups. Or I used to run a multi-family group connected to people that had mental illness. So you're right. There are so many different groups, and even from group to group, even if the structure is very similar, each group leader is different. And so to connect to somebody that you really feel you resonate with when you're working with that person, I think is an important part of the process. And so to trust that, who are you feeling drawn to? Who is speaking? in terms that really make sense to you? What is resonating for you as you're exploring options? Um, I don't know. I was going to say there's not always a ton of groups available or groups can be tricky to find sometimes. And so I think that alone can make the search fairly complicated. But I know. Now, in my situation, I offer a chance for people to meet me for free and talk through what their needs are. And so I can respond very directly to people about what their personal needs are. And I think to find a situation where that's available to you, so you can really make sure that the fit feels right for you. Um, But yeah, it depends too on what your goals are. What are your needs? What are you needing to get? out of a group. My groups are probably a combination of, um, kind of a more processing free flowing group, but I do structure them. And I do, I offer my groups every other week, but offer a topic the week in between. So the topic can be something like, energy, what depletes you, what replenishes you, that kind of thing and then somebody can think about it for the week before we're coming into a group or we may decide to listen to a podcast together or something like that. For some people that might be too structured. So to really trust that if you're gravita- uh, gravitating towards something, to give that a shot, to let yourself feel what's what you're drawn to of course, there's possibly going to be fear in there as well. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, okay, great, this is speaking to me, end of story. There can be a lot of fear as well. So mm.
0: yeah. 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 So I'm wondering what make group therapy so powerful and so useful, right? Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier in my own group, Sometimes people feel like just by knowing other people are going through similar things as me, I feel better. Yeah. Uh, because without attending groups, they it's hard for them to realize that. Mm-hmm. And myself mm-hmm. actually just went to a retreat also oh. with dangerous people. It's a larger retreat. Yeah. And they talk about this field energy, and it's it's just interesting to think about how people impact each other in a way. Mm-hmm. So since you have a lot of experience with group therapy, I'm curious to Mm -hmm. hear your insight. What do you Mm -hmm. think make group therapy so useful, so powerful for many people?
1: Yeah. I think groups can help you touch on unconscious stuff. When you're going into an individual coaching or therapy situation, you kind of are bringing your agenda and then the the coach or the therapist may process with you and ask you some questions that help you uncover some things. But when you're in a group situation and somebody is expressing something that you weren't even thinking about, but you feel in your body something bubbling up as somebody's Speaking about that, it can help you touch on things that aren't even conscious and bring them into a more conscious space. So, I think in that, it's really helpful. I think also we remind each other of people in our lives. So, when you're in a group situation, let's say you're somebody who has a tendency to be a real caretaker, and somebody is behaving in a way that's triggering that so we get into like real caretaking mode group gives us the opportunity to work on that very directly it is something that's happening in real time and as we develop relationships with each other and start to know each other and name some of the patterns that we are working on and bringing into the group space then we can very Um, directly say, oh, there's that caretaking pattern I get into, let me interrupt it. As we start to identify that more and more um, fully, you know, we're we're vocalizing certain things. Whereas if you were in, in an individual session, it's very unlikely that you would actually in real time have that caretaking thing get prompted. I mean, maybe, I suppose, if the therapist or coach is talking about something, and then you kind of l- dismiss yourself and go towards taking care of that other person. But if somebody's a real professional, they're not going to be sharing some of those things with you in a session. But in a group situation, everybody's working on their own stuff and on their own journeys, and it's going to touch our stuff that we need to work on. So I think the unconscious piece is really helpful. And I think the um, giving us the opportunity to work on things in real time, to practice things so that when we go out in the sort of the real world again, and we've had a chance to name these things and work on them, they have less power over us. We have more of an understanding of, where we can get triggered, where we can go down these paths that really aren't serving us. Mm.
0: Yeah, sounds like a deeper level of self-awareness. Yes. And, and I'm even wondering in the group sometimes whether you, you know, kind of like you see through a mirror, through other people, you see a different angle of yourself.
1: Totally, yes. We see ourselves reflected back in a way that we don't always get that information. And we all have blind spots. I think as we go through our lives, there are certain things that we are showing that we don't know we're showing. And so it can be hard sometimes to hear some of that, but it can be so helpful when we hear back to us something that we had been struggling with or trying to hide one of the experiences that I had in that first group situation that I was in, and as I said, I was really yearning for a long-term love relationship. So as I was letting the group know why I was there and what I was looking for, one of the men in that group said, oh, I could spot your neediness immediately. And I don't think he was trying to be unkind, but he's trying to reflect something back to me. But it was my actually my second group session. So I wasn't really ready for that kind of feedback, but it was very freeing to get that feedback because I was thinking I'm hiding all this stuff. And it kind of helped me know, like, what's the point? Like, it's not even helping you to try and hide these things what if you stop trying to hide you know mm-hmm. who you are that kind of thing so that can be so powerful to hear that kind of thing even though it can be hard and there's something about sort of a coach and therapist relationship where perhaps there's a little bit more gentleness or you wouldn't hear some of that feedback as quickly or as directly um And so you might get a different kind of feedback that resonates a little bit more strongly sometimes. And uh, not to say, I mean, part of the job of the facilitator is to make sure it is a safe space. So not to say that that can go off the rails and people are giving everybody like really harsh, intense feedback all the time, but to have that mirror and be given feedback and open ourselves up to learning a little bit about how we show up is such a powerful part of group.
0: Yeah, love that. Yeah, it seems like you have a lot of um takeaway from all these years of group therapy experience. And sometimes mm-hmm. you know those challenging moments can be a beautiful moment yeah So and I, I know a lot of clients could really thrive from those confusing moments. They may challenge you, but depends on how the group leader react to it, and they may take back far more than what they imagined,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the more we can sort of pay attention to what's coming up and just notice. Then the more we're going to get ourselves reflected back, learn from those moments. And I think even during the retreat, the woman that led the retreat kept saying, If you listen to each other's stories, I promise you it will change you on a cellular level. And so I think there's truth in that, that as we really start to process and hear and take inside of us a fuller human experience together in community there is something that changes in us
0: right right yeah so that sounds like more like a transformation within ourselves along with other people yes yeah yeah Yeah. so since my major uh my specialty is sleep and Mm -hmm. treating insomnia I'm curious in your work, in your journey, even though you may tr- you, you may deal with different issues, uh, maybe stress, anxiety, and life transitions, what how often do sleep topics come up in your work? Mm. And what that look like in this journey of group therapy and other type of coaching work?
1: For you. Yeah. It actually comes up quite a bit in the work that I do. And I think often what happens is people are struggling at night sometimes with either a dysregulated nervous system that they haven't been taking care of themselves throughout the day. So maybe they've been getting triggered throughout the day without having an awareness that that's happening, number one, and number two, without having ways of grounding themselves and coming back into their bodies. So that's one way that I know people often will struggle with sleep. And what that can look like is ruminating thoughts when they're trying to sleep or or they wake up in the middle of the night and it's hard to get back to sleep. And it could also be a lot of catastrophic thinking that people are really struggling with either again before and they're struggling to fall asleep or they wake up and it's hard for them to fall back asleep. And so some of the work that I do with people is about how do you ground yourself? How do you need to replenish your energy? What is taking away some of your energy? What's dysregulating you so that your nervous system is really activated? So that's part of the work that I do with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the other is just patterns of I mean, it's very similar to that, I guess, but overstimulating themselves throughout the day, what are some other patterns, what kind of ways do you need to take care of your need to ground yourself? So it's similar, but it's a little bit more directly about just finding some balance throughout the day. And it's not necessarily related to some of these limiting beliefs or getting triggered necessarily, but it's not having patterns in place that really are grounding and replenishing and helping people to get to a place where they're ready for sleep. So yeah, we'll talk about that and explore some changes that people can make to help them feel more balanced throughout their day-to-day lives.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds very typical that people's nerve system get overstimulated and Mm -hmm. so active, many people complain they cannot shut down their brain Mm -hmm. at night, Mm -hmm. right? When they try to relax, they are not able to relax. Even their body are really tired or sleepy. Their mind seems Mm -hmm. like still very energetic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, one of the things that I talk a lot with my clients about more recently, because it was something that came to me more recently, is this idea of energetic clutter is what I've been talking about it, and it's often things, limiting beliefs, and the behaviors that are connected to these beliefs that got put in place early on in the families that we grew up in and the cultures that we grew up in. So it's things like, I need to be a good girl or I need to please others in order to be safe, in order to be loved, in order to not be abandoned, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when people are struggling in adulthood, because if we don't look at them and start to learn which ones we're holding on to and start to shift some of these limiting beliefs, they can be underneath a lot of our Lives and how we make decisions in our lives without us even realizing it. And so, if somebody, for example, is struggling with, I'm going to be abandoned if I'm not nice then one of the things they might be ruminating about is a time when they felt they weren't being nice. And then they're worrying, oh my God, I'm going to be abandoned now. What am I going to do? And then that's part of what can keep people up at night is the rumination connected to some of these limiting beliefs that are not really honoring their true hearts, but that are in place because they were put in place to keep us safe. And so they're there. And so it's such important work for people to peel away those layers and really understand which are some of the beliefs that are running the show that are not even my personal beliefs. These are just ones that got developed in my life. And if people can start uh, peeling those away, then they won't be keeping people up at night because they won't think, oh, my God, I'm going to be abandoned. They have a better sort of sense of understanding about that and be less triggered by that kind of thing.
0: Mm. Wow. So awareness is very important. You need to realize what is bothering you first, right? And sounds like facing it Mm -hmm. and really working on it is the way to lead to... A more relaxed state.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it can be really helpful sometimes for people to do a bit of a brain dump journaling process Mm -hmm. as part of their bedtime routine because whatever is going to rise to the top and start keeping people like gnawing away at them when they're trying to sleep, if you can kind of create a bit of a practice and do a brain dump as a way just to look at what's coming up and putting it on paper and capture it and know you can come back to it the next day. If you need to, it can be really helpful for people to let go of some of that stuff.
0: Mm. Okay. Can you explain more about this brain journaling? What does that look like? Does that involve you have to write down something or you're just thinking Mm -hmm. in a certain way?
1: I think writing it down can be helpful. So if as somebody, as part of somebody's bedtime routine, they spend maybe 10 minutes just going, what's going on for me today? What were some of the highlights? What is something that's been sort of floating around in my thoughts today, that kind of thing and writing it down so that when you're trying to fall asleep, it's not going to keep floating up as much. I mean, it's not a magic, It's not necessarily going to take care of it completely, but it can help us to know, okay, I've captured it. It's somewhere. I don't have to use my mind to try and remember some of these things that I'm starting to process. I've already processed it and I can come back to it. So I think it's just writing in a journal, just whatever's coming up and you don't have to be structured about it. It's just, oh, this is coming up. This came up for me today. Huh? This is just popping up. I don't know why that kind of thing. And so it's to preempt. Kind of get in there so that some of those thoughts don't keep you quite as preoccupied as you're trying to fall asleep.
0: Mm, Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So sounds like more get the thoughts from your head out on a Mm -hmm. piece of paper. Then Mm -hmm. you look at it, you realize Mm -hmm. those are thoughts, not me. I can sleep Mm -hmm. now. I can Mm -hmm. work on those tomorrow, or I already put them down. I will not forget. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But in this yeah. process, I'm curious how people gonna stop themselves from ruminating. Sometimes mm. you know, when we, once we start journaling, it just it's we it's, cannot stop.
1: <laughs> right. It's true, it's true. It's not a magic answer, but I think sometimes knowing that it's in the paper is enough to have a bit of a release with that. And if at the same time, maybe somebody knows that they're working on some of those issues, then it can just be a reminder. Oh, there's that thing again. I know that comes up for me. Okay. uh, You know, I'm working on it and I'll come back to it. And so it's a real practice of trying to catch that in motion and let it go but know that you're handling it on lots of different levels
0: yeah yeah i think when you mentioned maybe 10 minutes is important uh mm-hmm. for people who are really easy to ruminate if you mm-hmm. know that you you cannot really control it maybe mm-hmm. set an alarm clock or something because if we yeah. allow ourselves to write forever for hours of course mm-hmm. right yeah. a lot of yeah. things can come out then it can go the other way. It's it's not original. I just simply put this out on a piece of paper. It's become like ruminating and think about, play back the tapes, all this horrible uh, Mm -hmm. feeling, the thoughts. So that's too much. If we can limit time, I guess it can really help.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think you make a good point too. For some people, that might be more triggering than helpful. And so if that's you, then... This isn't advice that's really going to be helpful for you. But I think, you know, to see, do a little bit of trial and error and to see what can be helpful, but ultimately to know a lot of the things that we tend to ruminate about are things that are often connected to these limiting beliefs. And if you can do some work at understanding what's going on for you, what are you carrying and how to start taking in your actual core beliefs. What are your actual beliefs? And to start to rewire some of that.
0: Yeah. And I'm also curious whether you have observed any beautiful moments in the group settings. And possibly not sleep related, but I can share some Mm. beautiful moments I observed in my insomnia group. Mm. And to help me witness the power of group, right? So for, for example, when someone shared a very complicated uh, sleep journey and mm-hmm. then happened to have other people in the group say, that sounds like me. I yeah. have very similar journey and could not figure out why many doctors could not help me out. So mm-hmm. they have this connection immediately.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, I know that helped a lot of people to ease the anxiety. And sometimes mm-hmm. I notice other things like, some clients, they uh practice certain things I tell them in the group. And then they went back, practice one or two weeks, come back, they say, "I made progress. This works for me, right? in what, what, what yeah. way?
1: Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm.
0: there are other people who are like they are not willing to practice and mm-hmm. they've been changing my suggestions. I tell them when to sleep, when to get up. They're like, "That's too hard. I cannot do that. They do other things. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, they're like, oh, <laughs> so other people follow, they actually do better. Should I consider trying it at least for a week mm-hmm. or for several days? Mm-hmm. And I noticed when people start asking that question, they are willing to lower down the guard and go back to really try and allow themselves to experience it a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: uh, that's, that's a kind of like experience I noticed can really help some people resist this kind of treatment and eventually be able to get better.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think what I've noticed is similar to some of that. I mean, some of it, I think a lot of what happens for people is they feel such shame About things. Mm -hmm. And if they feel safe enough and they're vulnerable and they share something that they feel shame about, Mm. and then have that similar experience, like, oh, yes, me too, it Mm. really helps to dissipate a lot of that feeling of shame because they're not alone in that. And I think as somebody is starting to present something they feel shame about, often it's like, I'm the only one or I'm the worst one. And when they can hear, other people respond in such a me too, people get it sort of a way that's really helpful. And that's a place where you can see such a beautiful transformation where somebody is starting to feel less like they're flawed. And that was similar to the experience that I had. Um, And also it is a chance as we get to know each other, whether it's sort of a retreat, even over a shorter period of time or over a longer period of time with group, as we get to know each other, we can reflect back to people. So we can notice things like your body language is different. You seem so much more at peace right now as we're hearing you say these kinds of things. So that's a beautiful thing to witness. I've seen a lot of people get to much more of a pa- place of peace about certain parts of their journey, and we're able to see it and reflect that back to people. So there's that as well. And then just even as people are navigating very similar struggles and journeys sometimes they can just talk about their own experiences and something will resonate enough that somebody's like oh okay this action piece is making sense to me and now i feel ready to take a similar action step because that one really connects to what feels like it it's something i could do
0: mm. Wow, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I really want to encourage whoever listening and watching, right? To really seek out the great resources out there and uh, consider group therapy if you think it's something you may uh, enjoy or you want to explore, it may benefit you, right? And uh, leave it open, give it a try. It could be a very beautiful journey.
1: Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Tanya, for sharing all this wonderful insight with us. So um, if our listeners want to find your work and know more about you and get to know your group, how can they uh, know those information? How can they find you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, The best way to connect with me really is through my website, which is my name, Tanya Cole Lesnik, but I know that can be a little tricky sometimes if somebody doesn't have something to write down with. So another way to reach my website is clear Okay, great.
0: I will put the website down below in the show notes. So yeah. our listeners can click through and directly find you on your website.
1: Great. Great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank yeah.
0: you. Thank you so much. Any last wisdom you want to share with us all before we end our conversation today? Hmm. I,
1: I think what I often say is just the importance of being kind to yourself as you're trying to navigate any kind of these difficult journeys. I think sometimes people can be so impatient with themselves and be sort of harsh with themselves. And so it's not easy to start to make change in some of these areas. And so just to be kind to yourself as you're going through this process.
0: Right. Beautiful. Be kind to ourselves and have a lot of self-compassion.
1: Yes. That's so yes, important. Yes.
0: yes. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking with you as well.
0: Have you had any healing experience in a group format? If so, what do you think about it? Leave me a message. Let me know. You can find me on many social media platforms at Dr. Ishan. So the video version of this conversation will also be available on our YouTube channel at Deep Into Sleep Podcast. If you know anyone who suffers from insomnia, please also check out my insomnia treatment course. I use evidence-based first-line treatment for insomnia called CBTI. And the website for that is mindbodygarden.com slash insomnia. Thank you again for your interest in sleep science and wish you a good night of sleep. I'm Dr. Yishan. See you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently